Hey guys, producer Ken here with a very quick message before the show begins. Uh, in 2013, uh, I started working on a podcast with two of my very best friends, Paul and Ben. That show's called Jews and Reviews, and it's on the Atlantic Transmission Network. In fact, it's safe to say it's probably one of the inspirations for creating it in the first place. Well, four years ago, uh, one of the best men I know, Paul Cohen, you may know him as Paul Corey, hosted Jews and Reviews, uh, was unexpectedly admitted to the hospital. Uh, it was from there that he learned that his illness was due to a loss of function in his kidneys. Uh, right now, he's on dialysis three days a week, and the doctors have told him, hey, Paul, you know, try to live a normal life, which is very rough to do, you know, being on dialysis three days a week. Well, it turns out Paul is in need of a kidney transplant. So if you or anyone you know may be interested in learning more about becoming a living donor, please call the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. That's the Living Donor Team at New York Weill Cornell at 212-746-3922. Another way you can help is just spreading the message by sharing these links and giving it the hashtag Team Paul. That's T-E-A-M-P-A-U-L, standard spelling on Paul. We're certainly doing all we can to help a good man get through this, and we hope you'll join us. Thank you. Enjoy the show. We do. Rivers Cuomo, son of famed Governor Andrew Cuomo. That's a fact. Is he really? Nope. I did not think so. But, uh, yeah. Hey, guys. Welcome to another exciting edition of uh, Punkarama. And today we're covering the very popular band Weezer and their, I guess, semi-popular album, <laughs> Early. And with me today... Uh, who brought this record on is uh, Ronnie Pascal. Say hello, Ronnie. Hello. Uh, thanks for not doing the whole like repeating hello, Ronnie thing. No, I don't. I'm not that guy. Not that guy. I don't do that bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. That's okay. So if you're disappointed out there, good for you. Uh, what the hell is your title at the pit? You're like a. Uh, Let's see. You almost had it. Associate creative director. Artistic director. Artistic director. Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think the difference is between being artistic and creative? Uh, I think in this situation, mm -hmm. it's my the artistic director would be like the guy who is the, the director of where the art is going, and I think the creative director is more of a producer who's like making things happen. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay, that makes sense. That yeah. was a bullshit question, but thank yeah. you for giving it a very serious answer. I was answer. trying to give it a good answer. You did answer. a good job with it, Thank man. you. Yes, and. Yes, and. Uh, that's a little improv thing for all you improv, Inside baseball. improv cats out there. Um, so we're going to initiate this with a pattern game. Great. And then <laughs> zip, zap, zap. Uh, we're going to, we did zip, zap, zap to, before to, to Just the two up. of us, though. Yeah, just, yeah it, was, it was very, 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 uh, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you brought this record on because I, I was like, I, I was driving you around or I don't know. Oh, no, you did. You did Lisa Mandel's podcast, the yes. bitch seat. And you had 
you brought on this music you made and it was like this like kind of like uh like you know very raw like i i screaming emo sound and that's yes. like the exact type of shit i'm into and i'm like oh my god ronnie ronnie <laughs> at least has some kind of like background with this or familiarity yeah. right well, you have fam- familiarity oh yeah yeah and so uh we were talking about another sh- podcast and then i drove you somewhere and i played you some music and we started talking about that and you're like mm-hmm. oh i know the menzingers and i know this stuff i'm like great you should probably come on Punkarama, the Epitaph podcast, where we try to cover every Epitaph record ever, seek to cover, whatever. And you brought up Hurley. Yeah. And I totally forgot, and I'm sure as everyone does, that Weezer had a record on Epitaph. I didn't even know until I looked it up. I was like, what records are on Epitaph? (laughs) I was like, oh, I know Hurley. I know that album pretty well. So quick background for you. Uh, I'm not going to say it, but you grew up in Connecticut. Yes, I did. What part? New Haven, do you know that area at all? Uh, a little bit because I went to I went to school in Westchester. County. Oh, cool. I went to college in Westchester County. I went to one semester in Westchester. Now. Did you? Yeah. Uh, WCC or uh, Berkeley? It's in White Plains. Oh, I went to Purchase. Oh, close enough. Close enough is yeah. right. But when you were growing up there, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you would go to a music shop yeah of some kind all the time was it what shop would you go to it was called cutlers it was in okay. downtown new haven uh they sold a lot of cds that were massively overpriced but they had 45s <laughs> in the back that i just like they weren't like sorted in any sort of, uh, situation or any way so i'd get them all for like 50 cents and whatnot it was pretty awesome you'd buy records then oh yeah i used wow, to collect way records. ahead of the curve i don't way have them the anymore curve. i only have a few left that's a shame. You could have made a fucking fortune. I know. On when I moved to New York, I sold all my records. I had a, uh, it was a Ramones Rocket to Russia promo album, and it had like a pink sticker on it. Yeah, the pink sticker rocket. Of course I know that fucking and record. And I only got like oh my God. $3 for it. I was Jesus so pissed Christ. off. But it was all to be in New York City. So what was that place like? Was that like, um, I'm sure it was like sorted by genre, right? Kind of. Not okay. really. Uh, it was just like, it was sort of uh, alphabetized, so... The whole store the was whole just store. out. So like you would have you would have Michael Jackson next to Jefferson Airplane. Well, or? they didn't have a lot of like Michael Jackson. It was more like it was mostly like hard rock and like. Oh, stuff. so it was. Oh, the, it was separated. Like it was only separated in half because the other half of the store was all classical music. Oh. My guess it was like for the Yale demographic that because it was in like downtown New Haven. Okay. But that was the place that you and your, your friends would go there. Yeah. Do you remember what albums you'd pick up there? Um, or that you picked up, I should say. I got the Rocket to Russia album. Sure. I got the original Ramones album, the okay. self-titled one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some like Stooges albums that I liked a lot. Did you uh, buy anything contemporary that was like your like was a new uh, release for one? I I think the only thing that I'm thinking of off the top of my head was a Dream Theater album. <laughs> you, okay, uh, it's a weird <laughs> story. So. You got a quick version of it? Uh, it's a little sad. I'll tell the story. Yeah, sure. Um, if you want to. Yeah, I don't mind telling the story. It's just a little strange and sad. Uh, so I had never knew who Dream Theater was. And my mom passed away 10 years ago, uh-huh. like a month or two ago. And a, a week after she died, I had this dream where she and my brother were at Cutler's. And I bought a Dream Theater album. And I don't know why I like did that because I did not know who they were. And then so the next day in real life, I actually bought this album, and there was like two songs of like, "Calm down, I'm still with you." Whoa! Like this is so strange because I don't normally believe in stuff like that. What? 
so you you knew you were aware of the name Dream Theater and you knew it was a band at least, right? Yeah, but I didn't even know that they had a brand new record. I don't think I don't know how I knew who they it were. It must have just you must have just known through like your subconscious like, like yeah. that you saw it advertised somewhere Probably. or heard about it. And then so you knew, but did you know the record and then you went and bought that record or was it just like a generic I, Yeah, in the trailer? record, she told me very specifically which record to buy. So my guess is I saw an ad for it somewhere and was in my brain, like, I don't know why I tied the two together. If you can figure out how to make that happen, you will be a billionaire for having marketers, like, tell you, like, yeah. how to, like, inception into people's brains to market into their dreams. Yeah, it was Just crazy. Like that. Uh, did you like those songs? Not really. Yeah, I mean, I like the like lyrics theater, dude. Between, for them, but, like, the musicals part of it I did not like. Dream Theater is, like, the opposite of the Ramones in the sense that it's, yeah, like, it's bloated and there's a lot of stuff going on. It's big long. production. Yeah, it's, big production stuff. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Okay, so that was, like, the one contemporary thing you remember. Yeah. Uh, so when did you get into Weezer? Uh, I do remember that, actually. It was a little late in the game. I was a freshman in college, and I was talking to my friend who's obsessed with Weezer. Well, was. I don't know if she still is. And they had the Make Believe album out at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she was like, you should listen to some of this. And I was like, I don't like this. But What did you know of Weezer at that point? Anything? Not a whole lot. Like, I knew, like, Buddy Holly. And, like, you knew that song. And okay. Hashpipe. And, okay. But then I went back and listened to Blue Album, and I was, like, blown away. When you So you knew Buddy Holly. You knew some of the singles or the, the videos or whatever. Yeah. Did you like those songs? Yeah. Okay. I, I okay. liked like, I liked Buddy Holly. I didn't like Hashpipe a whole lot. Sure. Um, and then when I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh, the Blue Album is fantastic. Uh -huh. It still holds up to, like, one of my favorite things ever. Right. Um, yeah. And, and then, yeah, I didn't know too much about them, but she would show me, like, I don't know. If, do you know Butterfly? Do like, I know Butterfly? It's a good song. It's an acoustic song. Yes, yes, of course I know yeah. Butterfly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then she showed me Pink Triangle. I don't know if you know that one. Of course I know Pink yeah. Triangle. About being in love with a lesbian. Yeah. It's got a lot of, I got a lot of history. I got some history with that. Oh, do you like lesbians? Uh, first kiss and uh, first virginity. Ooh. <laughs> We're both on with lesbians. Sorry or to hear that. It's okay. <laughs> don't be sorry. It happens. It happens, man. It does happen. I'm not sorry. No, you should not be. Um... So that's how you got into them. And yeah. then what, so that's, what's, what year is that? Uh, 2004. Right. So six years later, this rocket record Hurley comes out. Correct. So what is, were you following them until then? Uh, yeah. So because between I, make believe, sorry, between make believe and Hurley, there's two other records released, the red album and Ratitude. Yeah. And I like the red a lot. Okay. Um, so one day I was just sitting, uh, sitting around home and I found out that day that Weezer and Foo Fighters were doing a show in my hometown. Okay. And I was like, Holy. what's the venue they would play? Uh, they played? it was in Bridgeport. So it's called Harbor Yard. Okay. Um, and I didn't know until, and Hot Hot Heat opened for them. I like Hot Hot Heat. They're fine. Yeah. They're good. I think uh, they're fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know until that day. I liked the Foo Fighters a lot at that point. I was okay. like more into like hard rock, a little less punk stuff. And... I was like blown away by how cool it was. Yeah. And also I want to rewind. I don't consider Weezer punk very much, but Okay. Great way to way to Yeah, I was like, wait, I, I feel like I just lumped them into that. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But uh yeah, so we my brother two of my brothers and I went to go see Foo Fighters, Weezer and Hot Hot Heat. And that was an easy ticket to get? No, it was difficult. I had to I didn't have the internet at that point to mm -hmm. do that. So I had to go to an outlet. Ticketmaster. Yeah, there was mm -hmm. a Ticketmaster outlet in the mall. 
And it was in on the third floor of a Filene's in the back of the Filene's. Wow. Yeah. Your record store didn't have it that you would go to? Because a lot of record stores used to be like I don't know. Outlets. I was told the Ticketmaster outlet. So it was just like, right. didn't even think to go to the sure, record sure, store. And How yeah, was the show? It was great. It was yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, Weezer was the, he- uh, no, Foo Fighters was the headliner, but they were switching that whole tour. Yeah. And they were going by Foozer and the Wii Fighters for the whole thing. That's fun. It's, yeah, it's fun and That's cute. That's fun. That's a nice spoonerism. Yeah. And like, I remember Weezer doing a cover of Big Me and I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> it was like my happiest moment at that point. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it was a good show. It was a good show. Uh, and why the fuck did we start talking about that show? Uh, just my history of Weezer. Oh, it was, well, so that's, so where, how did you know about Hurley? This album? Yeah. Oh, I was like big into them at that point. I was like waiting for it. I was probably on their like fan list or something okay. like that. But you weren't into Ratitude, which was their record before. Yeah, I did not like Ratitude. A lot of people seem to have that opinion. It's a big poppy record. I'm curious if I would like it now though, because I only gave it a few tries back then, which like dismissed it quick. Yes. Which is what I do with a lot of new music. And I think a lot of people fucking do that. Yeah, I did with this new album, their newest one. Oh, with their newest one. Same thing. Yeah. Not just give it a quick listen, not too into it. It was a quick listen, not into it. They did a, I was sitting in my kitchen when my roommate was watching Conan recently when they were on. And Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, this sounds terrible. Really? Oh, it turned you off that much. Yeah. It was like 20 feet away and could hear it while I was like doing work at the kitchen table. Ah, like I am all about revisiting records that I once or bands that I once thought was like crappy because I'm like I'm a little bit more open or changing. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll get into it because of course I'm. I think we all just want to like everything. Hopefully, we do. Yeah. Um. And so I gave this album a quick listen when it came out. This came out in 2010, September 10th, 2010. Mm. And uh, I gave it a quick listen, maybe even the first two tracks. I, rem- I think I remember like vividly listening to it. And like I was just like, this is fine, but yeah. I want to listen to something else. Because, and this is, I think, one of the tragedies of fucking Weezer, is that you hear their new stuff. Yeah. You hear what is, I think the first thing that you, you, you pick out of it is Rivers Cuomo's voice. And his voice is so attached to these those first two records that yeah. you know oh, everyone's fucking pining after that it's like you can't you can't separate that out because it's just like fuck I just want to hear him singing mm-hmm. these old songs and it's a it's a shame because like I I don't think I haven't liked everything they've put out but I respect the fact that they're trying all of these new things, or at least yeah, Rivers definitely. is. And it's like, be, because you're, you're trying to progress and try new things. Like you're not becoming a legacy act. I brought that up on, on yeah, previous definitely. episodes that like bands that do that, when they do keep playing shit, that's like the first two records. And it's just like, it gets boring, you know? Yeah. Uh, on Ratitude, they had a Little Wayne song and I was just like, yeah. oh, that's definitely different than what they would have done on the Blue Album. Yeah. And like when hip hop starts coming into this stuff, like, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big square and I'm not like, I'm not a big hip hop head or whatever these kids are saying these days. Uh, I was when I was younger. I was, I was super when I was younger because I had a source subscription. Oh, but I did like, too. And double XL. You had double XL? Yeah. Ooh, that was too black for me. I was fancy. <laughs> I was fancy. Um, uh, and uh, what's it called? Uh, like, like Blink's new records have like 
starting or starting to have rap, had rap stuff on there, and I think that was a big Tom DeLonge thing. Yeah, and I was just like, oh man, like I, I feel like their last album sounded a doing. lot like Angels and Airwaves, though. It's, it's getting like, a lot like that, but he's not with them anymore. Yeah, so, so maybe it'll we go back to like roots that. and stuff. We'll see. Their roots, not the roots. Another big thing. <laughs> ah. Another big thing that people love fucking saying about Weezer Records is this goes back to their roots, and this was said a lot about this record. Yeah, uh, I feel uh, like Hurley did a little bit. You think it did a little bit? A little bit. So a little bit of background on this. So, okay, it came out September 10th, 2010 in the U.S., September 13th, 2010 in Europe. It's produced by Rivers and this dude, Scott Everett, mm-hmm. Scott Everett who uh, produced Ratitude. Um, and so this is their first and only record on Epitaph. Yes. They ended their ties with Geffen, uh, with whom they released, uh, uh, I think, seven records. I think all, I think it's all the earlier on, stuff. On Geffen, yeah. So Ratitude in 2009 was their last one. And then uh, they had some ties before because Patrick Wilson, he has a side, their drummer, has yes. a side project, The Special Goodness. Do you know He was their all? guitar player for a little while, too. He was? Yeah. He was playing drums for them. Uh, they had brought in some dude, I don't remember. Like a studio guy? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so his, 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 band's, uh, his band was called uh, Special Goodness, and their full-length Land, Air, Sea came out on 2004 on Epitaph. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I but, only know one side project by Weezer called Goat Punishment. What's that? They're a Nirvana cover band. Is it just them as like doing another band? Like Bleach album, like the Nirvana Bleach album. But it's all of Weezer? Yeah. That's funny. I like when bands do that. Like I like the Foxborough Hot Tubs, which is yeah. uh, Green Day's Alter Ego. And there's another one too. I can't remember. Yeah, I like the Foxborough album that I listened to. I thought that was fucking... I think they only had one, okay. which I loved. I was I like, was oh, oh, do I know more than one? No, <laughs> just one. So when they came onto Epitaph... In Guitar World in August 2010, uh, Tim Armstrong, of course, of Rancid, <laughs> said, Weezer is a great band. I'm stoked they're going to be part of the Epitaph family. And, uh, you know. That's very sweet of Tim. Sure. It sounds very Tim Armstrong like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Just with a shittier accent. Do you? Yeah. So, do you know why Hurley is called Hurley? I did you, did you Google? I Googled it today, but the article I got was they were on like Letterman or Leno or something like a week before, mm-hmm. and they had run into him because he was on the night before, and they took a picture with him. It was actually, I think it was George Lopez. Oh, George Lopez. Yeah, that was Sandra it. Bullock's best friend, famously. Yes. And they just took a picture with him, and then like six months later, he was on the cover not knowing why. So what I got is that um, Brian Bell, their guitarist said that it was called Hurley because Hurley, the clothing label, mm-hmm. the bosses of Hurley, they funded the album. Ooh. Yeah, the album's creation. And so Bell explains, so <laughs> this is what he says. He wanted to give the, they wanted to give the release a postmodern twist. Mm-hmm. So this is this is him. I think it's this whole like tying in different tying in different medias and then using Hurley, the character from Lost, which I've never seen in my life, as our mascot for this record is somewhat postmodernist. Maybe uh, I hope people don't look at it as too jokey because it certainly comes across that way without reading into it a little deeper. I don't think that really makes much sense. No. But I kind of, I guess I kind of get what he's saying. It almost kind of sounds like the way that you um, uh, two would try and justify their like pop. Uh, 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 pop stuff like mm-hmm. when they would come out in the lemon they like release stuff at like they did their opening at Kmart and it's like all this like trying to justify it uh, I only know that because I listen to you talking yeah. you two to me I don't know you two at all did you watch Lost? yes I, I never watched I it I watched a lot of Lost I watched it all except the last two episodes you didn't watch the last two? I did not watch why the last two why wouldn't you do that? I, 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 I never watched Lost just saying that out I 
don't know. Something about it like disenchanted me the last couple of episodes. You put in so much fucking time and you I wouldn't did. finish it though. I know what happened and I was like, oh, oh all right. Okay. You just you were just like, that's enough for me? Yeah, that's enough. Like I just uh I don't know. I was very angry. Were were you angry that like you were taken along for this ride that like even the showrunners didn't know where it was going? Yeah, I think okay. so. I was like a, a lot little of people, pissed off and it's just like I don't need to watch this. I like gave up the last two episodes. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> no spoilers from this guy. Sure. Well, I, don't know, I guess whatever is fucking lost. Yeah. What is but, it? But uh, so that that was your that's how you got to Weezer and you got to Hurley. Yeah. So now, what are your before we get into the track by track? What are sure. your thoughts on this record? Uh, it's good and bad. Like I have moments that I like really enjoyed, and then there are moments where I was like. Huh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Like, there's one with a jazz flute on there. Okay. Uh, and I was just like, where is that coming from? But, like, even that that song very specifically. What track is that? Do you know offhand? Um, once you play it, I'll be like, oh, it's this one. Sure. But it, like, it starts off with, like, this shitty song that I don't like a whole lot. And then it gets to the bridge. And I'm like, oh, I like this part of the song. That's, I, I think that that's, uh, it's like number four or five. Oh my god! Like which one going is it? away, maybe I don't remember. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so so this album isn't really any. It doesn't have any real special connection with you. It's just that you're a, you're. A, it you're does a, a little bit fan. actually. Um, Trainwreck I like a lot. Okay. Or not Trainwreck. Excuse me. I do like Trainwreck, but uh, the first wait. What's, my brain is not good with First names. First one's Memories. So, memories. Yeah. That's this one. Uh, that was the theme song to the Jackass album. Right. Uh, for uh, Jackass 3. 3D. And okay, so let's just fucking get into it. Sure. Because do you have any Do you have any other stories about this album or Weezer that you want to share? Um, it's okay if you don't. No, I've seen Weezer a bunch of times. I've enjoyed them. I don't think I've ever seen them. They're I've doing seen- those cruises now. I know some friends that go on them. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's weird to me, like picturing rivers in a thong walking around a cruise ship I don't think deck. he does that. Is, that. is that just what people on cruises, like you think that's what they are? I mean, that's what I did. That's what you did? Okay. Yeah. I'm not a cruise guy, so I've never been. I did once. Did you enjoy it? My dad was like, stop it. Walking around in a thong? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's fucking get into this. Let's do it. So it starts off with Memories, which was the first single yes. released before the album actually came out, too. tuning up yeah i like it and i like i could see the video in my brain right now so this makes me happy it's all the dudes from jack (laughs) nice wake me up Okay, so this is something that I feel like I heard and I was like, what is he talking about? So he's talking about playing Hacky Sack when Audio Slave was the rage. They were already a huge, like, rock band by then. I think he was saying when Audio Slave was still rage. Oh, was it? Yeah, they were rage against the at that point. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. But then again, I justified it to myself, like, maybe he was playing Hacky Sack when Audio Slave was big, even though they were a big band. He can still play Hacky Sack. Yeah. And I was like, who am I to take that away from him? Yeah, because my take on it is like, 
Rage was like big in 92 and 3 and 4 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was like playing hacky sack as a whatever age he would have been then. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm sorry to embarrass. Oh, I'm not embarrassed. Good, you should not be. I'm not easily embarrassed. I'm not either. Uh, Ooh, maybe we'll have an embarrass off. So, (laughs) this is the first single released before the record. It was on Guitar Hero, along with Buddy Holly. And if, if... you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to. I like that song. I do too. It's fun. It's yeah. a fun, it's a good fucking pop song. Yeah. And you know, like it's, it's not, it's not Pink Triangle and no. it's not anything of the roller stuff. Like, I, don't, I don't care. Great. It's just fun and poppy. If I want to listen to Pinkerton, I will listen to fucking Pinkerton. Like I, like I don't Pinkerton. want their, I don't need their new shit to sound like that. Well, what I feel about <laughs> this album is it's like Pinkerton in that it took me forever to like it. Really? I didn't like Pinkerton for the first like five years that I listened to it. Huh. Okay. But it, with with repeated listening, it uh, inculcated itself as a good record team. I don't know what that word means. It means re- repeating, teaching something by repeating. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot now. Great. Uh, the good jackass guys, did you know that they do the gang vocals on this? Do they? They do. Ooh, that's fun to know. Not the only celebrity uh, appearance on this record. Ooh, what's the other one? Well, you're going to oh, find out. I will wait. No spoilers, guys. No spoilies. No spoilies. Um... Yeah, the song is fun. It is fun. It's a nice big wall of sound like type thing. It yeah. kind of sounds like a, a little bit of Andrew WK, I guess. You yeah. Know? Lots of like, real high energy. Longer than anything you'd ever write, though. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm into it. I didn't. I, I, it's good. It's 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 more than just. I think I just thought it was fine. But it's yeah. good. It's it's like a good filler song to like put on a playlist and be like, oh yeah, I remember when I liked this song. Very on the nose, but that's yeah. okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna go to "Ruling Me," the second track. I listen to this a lot on the way here, and I have like, like conflicting emotions about it. What are they? I I feel like I like the song. I want to like it, but it just feels like a generic version of what a Weezer song should sound like. It feels like something that would be like tacked on the end of like the Blue Album, or maybe like a Blue Album like. B-side or something that like was like on the like the bonus album. See, but you're doing the goddamn thing that everyone else does. What's like, that? stop trying to stop. I'm not gonna tell you to stop. I'm no, sorry. no, tell me to people, stop. People, I think people need to stop. I know it's hard, but like, you, you just compared this in context to the Blue Album. Yeah, everything. this is not the Blue Album. This is its own. Nothing thing, is the Blue Album. You know, like, like if it sounds like something like the Blue Album, that's fine. But like. It's it's so it's and I I I really feel for Rivers. It's like Jesus Christ. Like how do you get how do you grow and, and get away from that? And like from did this you see great what he piece tweeted of art. the other day. No, what did he tweet? Uh, his quote was uh, I'm gonna paraphrase, but it was That's something okay. like, "Hey guys, remember when it was cool to like Weezer?" Yes, I do remember. I someone said that. Um, but like, like can't no, but think this of does things. Does sound like a Blue Album song? Okay, that's like, fair. If, if that's the case, but like, we gotta stop, guys. Yeah. Listening stop. to Weezer, like everyone out there, like we need to stop talking about everything within the context of those two great, great albums. Like, yeah. let them do other stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. And like, oh man, I don't know. I, I, I'm just really trying. I, I learned to do that with other bands. And that's like, fair. The Blue Album is like my Abbey Road, so like I hold it? everything dear. Okay. Do you know who co-wrote this song? I don't. Dan Wilson of. Semisonic, the closing time man himself. I would have never. If you said Dan Wilson, I'd be like, oh, I don't know who that is. Brian Wilson's son. That's what I thought we were getting at. Yeah. 
Because I feel like they're very heavily influenced by the Beach Boys. Weezer? Yeah. Because like, of like the, the harmonies and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, the harmonies. Uh, yeah, I'd probably get that a lot from there. But uh, you know what the thing was? like the But the Beach Boys, like that was like, while they're greatly known for that, like that was just a lot of the stuff at the time. Yeah. Like that was just a rock and roll back then. Definitely. Do harmonies like that. Uh, but I think like the Beach Boys is like our touchstone for like harmonies, you know? Yeah, I think like for American music in the 60s probably, but like the Beatles didn't do it like to that effect, for instance. Their early stuff did. Yeah. When it they, was like poppy. You know? But then they broke away from that. Yes, they did. You're absolutely right. Um, I guess, and I guess the Beach Boys always had that as part of this. Was there a lot of like harmony stuff on, vocal harmony stuff on Good Vibrations? I don't know. I'm not a huge Beach Boy fan, honestly. Okay. I'm a big Beatles fan, so... Uh, well, that's fun. Yeah, I like the Beatles. Who's your favorite Beatle? Don't have to answer that. <laughs> I hate that goddamn question. I'm conflicted. I Who's have your two. favorite Beatle? Who's my favorite Beatle? I am terrible at accents. <laughs> really? Do you not do accents when you perform? Like, when you have to do a voice? Uh, I generally just do, like, I have, like, two go-tos, and it's, like, Gay Ronnie, which is, like, Hey, guys. Wait, what's the other one? I'm sure... Or Art. I do, like, Boston, like... Hey, how you doing? That's not even a good Boston right now. No, it's more like, I don't know. I think we should just move on. Just move on? <laughs> well, we're going to move on to uh, a song that you brought up a few times and a song that like completely stood out to me. Like when I was listening to this record, I was like, whoa, like yeah. this fucking song hits this um, this uh, sonic sweet spot for me. So this song is called Train Wrecks. It's fantastic. I want to let this one breathe a little bit too. Yeah, go for it. I will not talk till you do. So I love songs that have these like repeating, repeating instrument melodies okay. that slowly build. For instance, uh, This Modern Love has that. And another Block Party song um, I still remember has that. It's like this very catchy like thing yeah. and it slowly builds on that. Like. <clears throat> There's not that much that changes in the song, but it's this like, when you hear the guitar just like doing the muted, right here. What that is, it's this, it's a repetition of, it's a descending half, okay, you have to bear with me on this. It's a descending half step interval on the tonic of each chord. Okay. Oh, you lost me. Okay. I, 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 I know like, theory a little bit. I really bit. broke this down. So you know what yeah. the tonic of a chord is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> take the tonic of the chord and you just like take it. Uh, that interval is a half step. Yeah. Uh, 
And so what that does is every chord, you know, I think this song is an E. Okay. It goes E, and then it goes E, like to e, D sharp or E flat. Uh, e D sharp, yeah. E D sharp, E D sharp, and then I think it goes C sharp minor, and it descends a half step, but it takes that tonic, and uh, it takes that and it makes a descent, and that repetition of that, oh my god, yeah, it, it strikes this thing in me that like I don't know it is it is rich to me it's like it's like the umami flavor of music it makes me feel it's not salty like it makes me want more it's just like I feel fulfilled by it I yeah. feel full no like, I feel it if you've I don't know if you have I'm a big food snob so if you've ever like I, I'm as much <laughs> as I know it's conflicting yeah. I like foie gras and like terrine I don't know what that is it's like it's goose liver and it's terrible the Ugh. way they make it I shouldn't I'm like I'm a it. vegetarian I will not eat that okay it's this very <laughs> rich stuff it's okay. rich to me yeah like it's like a rich food truffle do you know how truffle tastes I, I don't like truffle anymore I don't I have truffle oil so Right, that's like, yeah. it tries to take that out of it. But like that rich feeling of like truffle. So like the feeling of eating too much and then just like being content with life for... Not even too much, where it's just like this... The right amount. like the, It has nothing to do with capacity. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm like, okay, I'm good and I don't have to listen to music for a while. It's just like, this is hearty to me. Okay. You know, this is a hearty thing. And like, that's like the closest analog I can get to to that sound where it's this like it's this half step and it's just uh, a half step descending of the tonic you know yeah and it's like the repetition of that where it's like dun 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 dun, the straight like staccato eighth notes dun Mm -hmm. dun 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 i love that and i glob onto it and like this is their like it's like kind of like a studio anthem song and you can it's i guess kind of trite i guess even though i don't think it's trite you don't think it's trite no i I don't think so too i think i've read like some uh, reviewers say that so it's like in my consciousness that sure. people think that but the reviewers suck they do suck uh i, I completely agree um and and uh, it's a it's a complicated thing i know they have to play to their audiences a lot and what's yeah. gonna like what people are gonna click on and want to read but at the same time like i don't know i i don't need a critic telling me what to say and the only thing i'm like re- listen to or or you know, get, but like, I'm sometimes curious about some critics and I did this for this show. Sure. I did my due diligence. Oh, definitely. This was the first song Cuomo wrote after there was a December, December, 2009 bus accident on the Ratitude tour. I don't know if you knew about that. I but they got don't into a, big, a big that. bus accident. And this was the first song he wrote after that. Oh, wow. Um, oh, is that why it's called train wreck? Like, uh, you know, bus wreck? I, I, I'm sure that Maybe. kind of like added to it, but like, there's, there's just a lot of like, I think, I think that reviewers and some people who are really critical of it don't like it. And I kind of understand what they're saying. There's a lot of specific time based references. Like there's uh they reference some rapper or something like that in there. Oh, I don't even Whenever there's like one. specific references, like when I first heard this song, I, the lyrics were the last thing I listened to. Yeah. It was, it was a, I'm always that way though. It was, it was this like, it was this like, Oh man, this visceral thing to me, and mm-hmm. like it hit me in this like pop music sweet spot. I love this. I, I can't tell you how many times I listen to this today. Yeah, like this is great, and I know you like it too, right? I Sorry like to take up so no, much of the goddamn no, you time talk, talking about this is your show. Um, no, I. It feels just like really nice to listen to. Like there's something like yeah. I also like I don't listen to lyrics typically. Like I hear them, but like they don't mean much to me. Mm-hmm. And like I just want to hear the music and like feel the music. There's some songs that like musically make me feel like. I was just talking about this recently. There's a Silver Suns pickup song mm-hmm. that makes me feel high. Is and it that? Is that the single that everyone knows? Probably. I'm drawing a blank on names right now. Okay. Uh, but it was one of the bigger songs. There's a 
break intermission interlude thing that lasts like four minutes. And I feel like this does pretty similar to what other songs or what other music or anything like, like gets you to that. Yeah. There, it's tough to do that to me. Like I'm very picky about, um, <clears throat> Trying to think off the top of my head, but there's not much. Like the Silver Suns one really stands out, though. There is a okay. I, I have this very vivid memory of um, listening to the self-titled Sugar Ray album. Okay. Okay. You remember Sugar Ray? The uh, oh, the, well, go the ahead. Reggae band. I just want to have. Wait, no. Whoa! No, I want to get high. Wait, no. What, what the hell not, is the song? I just want to fly. I want to fly. I there, I was just close. Fly. I wouldn't call them a reggae band. I think they're like a pop alt like rock band. Like a Scottish, but without the that horns. That was just that one song. Oh, I don't know anything else by them. Really? Oh, the dude was like the host of like some Mark TV McGrath. show. But right. you don't know like, every morning there's a Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that's all. Okay. So, wait, the, wait. Can you keep singing? Oh, my girlfriend's walking around bed. You know it's not mine, but I see if I Yeah, I know that song. Okay. For the weekend or a one night stand. The last note really like cemented that I knew it. Um... So they're the big song, the big two songs on that record, like was that's that song, Answer the Phone. Answer the phone, I oh, no, know right. you. It's a good song. Um, and uh, when it's over, when it's over, that's the time I fall in love again. I don't know them at all. Anyway. I'm terrible. There is a song on that record um, that is like, it's this, it's what, what Trainwrecks is to me. It is this, oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember it right now. But I remember sitting in the parking lot of in Staten Island, like mm-hmm. waiting for my friends to do something. And I was listening to this record. Um, and I'm looking this up. Uh, Are your friends cool with you listening to Sugar Ray? Like, I don't care what my friends are cool yeah, with me doing. Yeah, who but the, the, cause the big thing on this, on this record was that, um, not the big thing, but a thing on this record that I could like point to me and my friends are big three eleven fans. Okay. I like that a little bit. And, um, what's it called? Uh, there was a song that Nick Hexum was on, on this record. Uh, waiting is the name, not the Nick Hexum song. The Nick Hexum song is called, uh, this is the sugar Ray song. You're yeah, 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 yeah. Stay on. It was the Nick Hexum song, but this song waiting. Okay. This song waiting at the end of it, it's like just a very, you listen to it and it sounds like, um, like the most like Southern California song you can like imagine. I'm gonna find it right now. And yeah, play let's it for listen you. to it. Okay, we this could song. Take a Weezer break. This song means it doesn't mean so much. It means so much to me in terms of nostalgia. But like, yeah. It, there's there's this there's this part at the end where it's it's finishing and it goes from it like keeps resolving itself in terms of music theory. It keeps resolving mm-hmm. from the seventh to the tonic. Oh wow! And well, that's it, what the Weezer does too. No, though. it's this. That's the because the tonic that's the half to the half step. Seventh, yeah, uh, the tonic to the. I don't think that's always a half step though. Uh, if you're in major, you are right. I guess you are. Uh, because the yeah the major and then down a half step is the seventh the major seventh. So this is waiting. By Sugar Ray. This Off of there, not what I expected. Self-titled, 2001. It, it kicks in the what you're, you'll be expecting in a second. Okay.
Very basic, but yeah. I like it. It's Here, listen to this resolution. That I'm going to fast forward to the end. There's like something about that and it gives me like the same feeling that this song does. Uh, and like, I'm, I'm spending so much time on this only because like, this is such like, there, there's nothing, there's nothing remarkable about this musically. I get it. No, you know, like these are two, like just very basic pop songs. I yeah. completely understand that. And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing like, uh, in terms of technical, technically remarkable about it, but like this hits me. I don't know what it is. It's like ASMR to some people where like, do you know what ASMR is? I don't. ASMR is like this thing where like, pe there's like videos on it and like people like whisper in. It's usually when they can't talk you. like this. They usually whisper and they talk like this and like you can hear and it yeah. gives them this tingling on the top of their head and their spine. Ooh. It doesn't give me that, but like I, I get this like feeling from it, and I'm like, I like this. This is warm to me, and I don't get this all the time. So like I grasp onto it. It sounds I get like it. I liked Hinder a lot when they first came out, and it feels like that. Really, I don't yeah. know much about Hinder. I kind of I feel like they're one of those bands that would be like Hinder. Yeah, yeah. More like that's how I felt about Sugar Ray though. It's sure. like it's that same feeling of like there's like. Uh, like Hinder's like a really cheesy, shitty, like sure. hard rock band. And mm -hmm. just like, but there's like something nostalgic or, or like, uh, Oh, what is that band called? Crazy bitch. Crazy bitch. No, no, not the band. They, that was their hit single for a while. Puddle of mud. No, you're a crazy bitch, but you fuck so good. I'm on top of it. <laughs> Whoa. I don't know uh, who this is. Drawing a blank. They're a hard rock band. And that's what that felt like to me. That sugar Ray song. Really? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I need to look into this crazy bitch song. We could listen to it. I don't mind. Uh, I just, I want to at least find who the artist is, but yeah, uh, crazy bitch wasn't the song, but it was the artist. Buckcherry. Buckcherry. <laughs> there's some Buckcherry songs that there's a song called I'm Sorry by Buckcherry, and that's what that felt like to me. Here's the thing that I think is the difference between what I know about Hinder and Buckcherry and Sugar Ray. Hinder and Buckcherry, it seems like to me they always like like push themselves as this like like serious alternative like rock band, like hard rock alternative yeah. band, like the way that like Finger Eleven would, you know, Sugar Ray. No, they're not trying to be anything they're not. They know sure. they're fun and they know they're poppy and yeah. everything is like kind of tongue in cheek with them. So like, even if you don't like the music, you can't like think they're being disingenuous about anything. Sure. They're very aware of who they are. Um, I don't want to start talking about Sugar Ray too much. Yeah, or but, Buck Cherry or Hinder. Yeah, if anyone else feels that way about Trainwrecks or that song Waiting, holler at me. So you can call in, call in right now. Call in. Right now though. 591 Rock, 591 Roll. Callinhalfever.com. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, let's get to Unspoken. Let's get Great. back to the back to the Weezer. So this is Unspoken track four off of Hurley. I think this is the one I didn't like. You didn't like this, okay? I like this. I did not like this until the bridge. Every morning, every day. Interesting, because I thought actually I'm looking at my notes because I had a note about a, a big thing change in the bridge, and that's in the song Smart Girls. There's a big change in yeah. the bridge. Oh no. Where's my sex? That has a big change in the bridge. But I whoa. know one fun fact about that song, so yes. Me too, but I'll let you say it. Probably the same facts, yeah. Let's let Unspoken breathe for like a little bit. Yeah, 
So this is a song that kind of builds up, yeah, oh, as well towards the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what are your, what are your oh, thoughts there's the on jazz this? flute. Um, yeah, I, this feels like butterfly to me a little bit. There's something that strikes the same chord, if you will. <laughs> and it, uh, I don't know. I like. I did not like it. And then once it gets to that bridge, that build, I'm like, oh, I enjoy this. Like this feels like what I got into Weezer for. He sounds like he does when at the in the era of like Blue Album Pinkerton, because he sounds so young yeah. when he's singing this. You know, I think that's one thing you have to give to Rivers Cuomo is like his voice. It's been pretty consistent, it's I guess. Consistent. I'm sure like some like hardcore Weezer fans will be like, you're not getting the nuances. No, I think and I'm not. I'm not getting it. But it's 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 similar, and here's the build up on it. Yeah. So this was written uh, right after Cuomo was married, and he'd been living alone for so many years, mm-hmm. and had getting everything he wants, to, the, doing everything the, the way he wants to do it. And so he got married, and now he's living with someone, and he's sharing his life with someone. He's got to start compromising. Okay. And uh, he was kind of unhappy about it at the time. So, this is, but like, still like understanding, like, yeah, this is something that happens. Yeah, that happens in life. That's part of being in a relationship. Hey, get over it, Rivers. Yeah, come on, Riv R Cuomo. R Quam. Quit being a stream and yeah. be more like your first name. Be like a an river. ocean. An ocean of an ocean acceptability of towards a bull in your wife. And he has a child. Your now. wife. Your wife. My wife. Speaking of his child, that's my impression right there. Of his child. Yeah. Your wife. My dad. <laughs> so if I remember correctly, this was the title of this was because his daughter was asking where her socks were. That's and right. She said, "Where's my sex?" That's right. And but beyond that, I hope that there's nothing daughterly in the song. No, it was just completely because of that. Every every just replaced the word socks with sex. Yeah. Because that's what she did. And people don't like this song, like the critics at least, because it's like they're like this is like thrown in. I think on alt press they said that. I didn't like it. I, wait, wait. I did like it, and now I just don't. There's something that like doesn't. What about feel- the bridge? There's a big key change at the bridge. Okay, I'm gonna fast forward a bit through this. Yeah. It's a big key change. You can see a major key. It like changes tempo as well, and then it gets back to. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like it feels like. Yeah, I do like that. I like that part. I mean, it's not a bad song. It's fine. It's fine. But, like, that's how I feel about Weezer in general now. It's like, it's fine. Really? Yeah, it's just like nothing. Do you still find their first two records remarkable? Yes. Okay. Like, I think Only in Dreams is still, like, one of my top favorite songs ever. What else is on that short list of your favorites? Oh, right here. Yeah, this is fun. This almost sounds like a breakdown that would be in, um... On uh, like American Idiot or like 21st Century Breakdown, yeah. like a green, like how they would change things up, which I, I like love. American Idiot a lot. Yeah. So it goes back into it. So what else yeah. is on that short list of like your favorite songs? So you said Only in Dreams is in there. Are we talking about Weezer or like all? Alls. We're talking about de- the Descendants. All. No. Oh. We're talking about. There's so much on there. Um, 
the Descendants, there's some song. I'm so bad at song title names. That's okay. No, just just your fate. You said Only yeah. in Dreams is one of your favorite songs. Yeah, I will what play else that bass it? riff all day long if I'm sitting alone at home. Um, I really like a lot of Ramon songs, like California Sun. Even though it's a cover, I think it's their best song. Okay. Um, ugh, drawing blanks on names of everything. I'm putting right you on now. the spot a bit here. I yeah, understand. I could like scroll through my iPod and be like this and this. Uh, Filler by Minor Threat is on there. That's cool. Yeah, and then Eye Against Eye by Bad Brains. Like, it's, there's a lot of punk stuff on there. Okay, yeah. you don't you don't have to just pander to. No, the, no, I'm not pandering to anyone right now. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is okay. a big. That one stayed on there for a long time. I, there's a YouTube video if you know where to search of me drunkenly singing that as a 21 year old. Oh man, I will find that. It will not be on this episode though. I'll show you later. <laughs> okay, um, and then. Oh, end of the, there's a Beatles album, not one of their regular ones. Uh, it was a soundtrack to, oh, what the hell movie is that? Yellow Submarine, maybe? And it has uh, all of my favorite songs, all like. What a funny, to- what a funny period of the Beatles to like really hone in on. Yeah, that Yellow Submarine period. really strange. The second half of the album is like the most fantastic piece of art in my entire in my opinion. Really? More so than like uh, Sgt. Pepper or the White Album? I don't love the White Album. Okay. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the White Album. Either. I'm not a huge Beatles fan either. Yeah. I don't hate them, but like, uh, you know, I, I get it. And yeah. they're, they're, they're great, but... Yeah, like, I don't know. It feels like... I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I, I love the Beatles a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other favorite songs right now. I was obsessed with Nirvana for a long time, but it wasn't their like... I hate Teen Spirit. I'll say that out loud. Have you always hated it or you only hate it because it's so like no, appropriated I, by like pop culture? I just don't like I never like got it. Like never understood why. Like I am the person who likes in utero better than like never mind. Uh-huh. Uh in utero feels I think like there's a lot of people like that. Yeah, it feels like an art piece and it doesn't feel like never mind is like a pop album. Right, but there's still it, it is a pop album, but there's still and I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. There's but, punk and uh punk and hard rock elements. Oh, yeah, I, I would yeah. call Nirvana more of a punk band than a grunge band. Yeah, definitely. Even though they had the look of grunge, I think they were a punk band. But, um, like, there was a huge amount of, uh, like, tongue-in-cheek irony in that song. Oh, all the time. You know? And uh, I think that they were, he was trying to do a juxtaposition of that with the pop music stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, wh- whatever, we're not going to start. Every, yeah. Enough people have talked about Nirvana. We don't need to yeah, talk about them. Nirvana's beaten like a dead horse. <clears throat> um so we're going to get to Runaway, track six. I like this song. Co-written by Ryan Adams. Is that Brian Adams' brother? <laughs> Ryan Adams, is. you know who he is? He's another musician. Pop, he is. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yes. He's another musician. I dated a girl who liked one of either Ryan or Brian, <laughs> and I don't remember which, and I would mix it up all the time and she would get pissed. Brian Adams is older. Okay. Brian Adams. So is she liked older. Ryan then. I like the song if you cut out that intro. Yeah? Yeah, if you cut out that like weird piano piece in the beginning, I like the song a lot. What don't you like about the piano piece? You think it's like misplaced? Yeah, I do feel very misplaced in it. You feel misplaced in it. Do you think it's misplaced though? I don't know. I feel like it, it works better for other people. I'm very opinionated on everything. Well, that's why I'm having you on, man. Yes. Give me your opinions. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't feel like... It doesn't build to what it is. I feel like it just got, like, shoehorned in there. I feel like he wrote 
that piano piece to begin, like, I don't know how he wrote it. But what do you but think? How I feel, how I imagine it is he wrote that piano piece, wrote the whole song, like it all like flowed together, and then they just didn't cut off the beginning and the end. Does that make sense? It does. Like, like it's some fat that they didn't trim off or something. Yeah, and like in post-production, I would have been like, let's scrap these first like 16 bars or whatever. Uh, interesting. Okay, that's fair enough. And I like his like screaminess. Like, it's not like a scream scream, but it's like shouting. Like, he's singing at the top of his register. Yeah, certainly. No, oh, maybe not the top of his. Well, he's putting he's putting some some wind through his diaphragm for it. Yeah. And I love harmonies. Harmonies make me hot. That's the name of my band now, by the way. Harmonies make me hot. Yeah. Anything else on this song? Not really. Like, it doesn't evoke too much. Okay. It's nice. It's cute. I like it. I would sing it to a girl. What other songs have you sung to a girl? Have you ever sung a, sung a song to a girl? Yeah. It was a lot of Elliot Smith, what I like. Oh, we just did an Elliot Smith uh, album. Really? Yeah, we did from a Basement on the Hill. Is that on Epitaph? It's on a sister label of Epitaph. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Uh, I did not know much about Elliot Smith. At all, I knew some about him, cause like he's one of those guys that like I want to like because I think people who have good taste like him. Yeah, and I, I understand that it's good, but I just you have better taste than I do. You're drinking fancy whiskey. That's that's, that's actual. That's like palate I'm, taste. I'm putting water in my whiskey. That's okay. People people it brings it out sometimes. Yeah. Um, I had no idea, dude. And maybe it's just that record. You know, basement from a basement on a hill. Yeah, that was the B side that came after he died, right? Uh, it wasn't a B-side. Or, it, like, it was all, like, B-side songs that, like, compiled. Kind of. He was working on it at the time of his death. Okay. And then it was, like, compiled after. So it wasn't just, like, oh, here's all these songs that he was just fucking around with. Yeah. Like, he was actually working on it. It sounds remarkably like the Beatles. I had yeah. no The harmonies he did, the production of it, it blew my mind. I had no idea about that. He has probably, like, 20 Beatles covers that you could find on the internet. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. that makes that makes He's complete sense. He's a huge Beatles okay. fan. That makes total sense. Yeah. It, so many of those songs, like, I think he sounds, both songwriting and vocals, like, he leans more towards McCartney. Like, that's yeah. what he sounds like to me. Definitely. And a lot of his songs do, at least on that record. Um, I feel that way about, like, Billy Joel, too, though. He is a huge, it sounds like a huge Beatles fan. I don't know if that's a I, fact, but. I guess. I, I'm sure he is. He sounds like post-Beatles McCartney to me. Like Wings? Yeah, like all that stuff that he's done after, like the huge productions. Uh, what was the Bond song that he did? That, that McCartney did? Yeah. Live and Let Die. Yeah, that one. That was uh, that was Wings. And it, Yeah, that feels like an Elton John, or not Elton John, Billy, Billy Joel. Joel song. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Like I could see Billy Joel pulling stuff out of there. Yeah. Except for the Linda McCartney part. There was like these little reggae breakdowns. What does it matter to you? Oh, I like, don't listen hard enough. That I was Linda that. McCartney putting that stuff in there. Okay. Uh, well, I'm just a big Bond fan, so that's how I know that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get into that. Wait, that was Hang On, right? Yep. That was the other celebrity on there. Who was the celebrity? Oh, uh, Ryan Adams. No. Or Brian? Brian? No, no, that was uh, that was Runaway. Did we do Hang On? No, we didn't do Okay, hang we're going to get to Hang On. Here's the other celebrity, or celebrity, I guess, quote, on the record. 
This feels like a Pete Townsend song to me at first. Interesting. I don't know much about Pete Townsend. I know yeah. he's in The Who, obviously. Yeah. And he has a solo song called Let My Love Open the Door. Okay. And that's what this feels like at first. Interesting. This sounds like a Christmas song. Yeah, I can see that. Do you get that? Like, yeah, because no. the the all of the like the build, interesting like, strings in the beginning, and like just the building melody of it. I don't know what it is about it. I like Christmas. They have a Weezer like Christmas, Christmas album. Oh yeah, I know. I've got that. Who's the celebrity in this one? All right, I'll tell you what he does, and let's see if you can guess it. Okay, so he plays mandolin on this, and he does backup vocals. Oh, I'll never figure that out. I think he does hang on, hang on. I'm gonna have to listen harder, but I still probably won't figure it out. Okay. Uh, it's probably Donald Trump. Do you think it's Donald Trump? Yeah. If you had to wager like a serious guess, who okay. do you think it is? Um, could you give me a hint? He is known for being a comedic actor. Will Ferrell. No. Hold on. It's the hang on, hang on. Well, there's backup vocals there, so I think he might do that. The, the, I want to get this. Okay. Without Googling it. Okay. I'll put my phone away now. Oh, I have no idea. I can actually pick him out of there now. Who is it? Uh, I, wanna, I want you to guess it. It's a comedic actor. We, can I get another hint? Once you ask me some questions, I'll give you yes/no's about uh, it. Has he done a movie in the last five years? Yes. Uh, is it a movie that was a blockbuster hit? Uh, no. Ooh. Uh, is he considered independent more than yes. blockbuster? Oof. Is he a stand-up comedian? No. Is he a male? Yes. Oh, God. I'm picturing someone and I'm drawing a blank on name right now. Mark from Mark Duplass. No. That's my guess. No, not Mark Duplass. Uh, Bill Murray. No. Younger. Much younger. Uh, so he's... He's about our age. Ugh. Michael Sarah. Yes! Yeah. How did you get that? I just thought that. I was like, oh, Michael Sarah's a musician. And then... He's not mainstream anymore. I'm or, surprised you didn't say like uh, Adam Schwartzman or something like that. I would have never guessed him. It was it's Michael Sarah, man. Yeah, great I had job. Coffee with Michael Sarah once for about ten minutes total. How was that? Uh, we were at it was it was fine. He was nice. He was very sweet. We we're at Stumptown Coffee in New York City. Sponsors, if you need them to be. I would love Stumptown to be sponsors. You didn't have to and, give me money. No, you can just give me coffee. Free well, coffee. Stumptown just got bought out by some big name brand. I forget who. Oh well, I hate that then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was at Stumptown. And I just said like, "Hey, big fan," and he's like, "I don't know who you are." <laughs> and then we talked for like ten minutes. Did you talk about comedy? Because yeah. did you say you like you were in comedy? Yeah, I had just started doing improv at that point. So do you know what year this was? Yeah, it was like. 2013. Okay, so this was after Arrest Development and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was very recent. That's cool. It's nice to know he's a nice guy. He seems yeah. like a nice guy. He's nice. He's sweet. Uh, I met Tim and Eric at a Auburn Pen once. At a what? Auburn Pen. Oh, nice. How was that? They were, they were really nice. They were like the nicest guys in the world. They were like doing these, they were in town because they were doing these like flash meetups. 
Cause just because they were in town. So like they were putting out on Twitter. This was like years ago before they got, I think they got really big. And um, they were like, we're here. Anybody who's around, come meet us. That's so and then they cool. put out that they were at this Auburn pan that's right by my office. And like, we're here. And I was like, oh my God, I got to go. And I was like expecting to be, them to be mobbed. I was the only one there. Really? And so I was just sitting there and they were like each drinking like an iced tea. And I was like, what are you guys doing in town? And I was like, you, you like jazz guitar, right? You should check out this place. It was really it fucking sounds cool. Sounds amazing. Yeah. When I really tweet cool. where I am, no, everyone's like, all right, going to avoid that place. <laughs> Whoa. <sighs> Self-deprecating humor. No, it's not even humor. It's just the truth. I have Self-deprecating truth. statements. Truths. I have, to, I have a large Twitter following but i was like hey if anyone wants to get free tickets to my next improv show direct message me and no one ever does oh that's sad <laughs> it's fine you're, you're getting there it's fine i went to a show that you put together the other day and it was Thank great you. really terrific it was fun uh you didn't perform in it though. i did not i was the technical director slash producer yeah Thank you did you a great job you're very welcome uh, and I paid full price for that, let you know. I didn't oh. even pull out my goddamn pit card for if it. If you told me you were coming, I would have got you in for free. Nah, you don't want that. You want me to pay full price, man. I don't give it. That money you does not the, go to me. You need that De Niro. That Bobby De Niro. Doesn't go to me. Robert De Niro could stay in Soho. So, I almost said <laughs> Solo. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to get to Smart Girls. This is track a, eight. Probably my least favorite song on the album. Where did all these smart girls I like it. It's cute. It's, I think it's a cute song. I think it's like, I don't know. I don't want to say misogynist, but like, smart girls have always been here. He, okay, so this has a similar story to Where's My Sex? Then I might, I if I hear the story, I might like it better. I don't think you will. Smart girls was originally hot girls. And this was just written about like all of these hot girls that are around him, but he's married, so he can't do anything about it. Oh, but yeah, he changed the like word hot to smart. This was also co-written with uh, this guy Jimmy Harry and Tony Canal of No Doubt. Oh, I knew Tony. I was obsessed with Gwen Stefani when I was like 11. Like sexually or musically or sexually, like everything. Oh, really? Sexually, she's not my thing. I'm not a blonde guy. I love, I, like, I always say I don't have a type, and it's always petite blonde girls. Is it? Yeah, it always ends up being, I went on a date recently with a taller brunette girl, and my best friend was like, just do yourself a favor, you know that this isn't going to work out. What's your type? Typically, like, short blonde girls. Okay. Like, 5'2", and like... Oh, really short? Bleach blonde, 5'2", five 5'3". Five okay going through my Rolodex right now. Yeah, I like, but, um, I was on a date recently with a like, short Jewish girl. She had like dark brown hair and I was just like, this isn't gonna work. Uh, brunettes are, I guess I, I would say I have a type. It's brunettes with like really fair skin. Yeah. Like I like the contrast of it. Do you like freckles? Yeah, sure. I like I like freckly girls. Freckly girls are cool. Um, but also to like be fair, like to tie into this song, actually, he has a very specific type, too. He likes Japanese girls. He does. Uh, I can't tell you how many times people would, like, be, I would, they would be like, oh, what are you? You don't look totally Asian. I'm like, well, I'm half Japanese and half German, Scottish, yeah. and English. And they're like, oh, my God, El Scorcho. Because uh, opening line of that song is God damn you half Japanese girls I never I didn't God that damn together. you half Japanese girls So yeah. it's become like an unofficial anthem I guess I dated a Japanese girl my freshman year of high school 
asshole. Oh. How was that? She was good. She was half Japanese, half uh, Italian. Hey, that's yeah. how I feel on the inside, actually. Yeah. Growing up on Staten Island. She was awesome. I, I like her. We're still friends, so. That's nice. Yeah. Want to give her a shout out? You don't have to. Hi, Jenny. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> what an Asian girl name. I know a lot of Asian girls. She has a, an Italian girl name. Oh, I guess it What's is Italian, last name too. too? Uh, I'm not you don't have to her. say it on. Yeah, it's okay say it here. So we're gonna get to Brave New World, track nine. I don't know why this makes me feel like that sixty song about Aquarius. Age of Aquarius? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe why it's just like because he either. says this is the dawning of a brave new world. Like this is the dawning of. So, yeah, and it's a very similar melody too. This is yeah. the dawning. Yeah. Um, this was written in response to the rest of the band's unwillingness to explore new genres. Oh. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, they don't sound like they explore too, too much. Like, it's like hard rock and like punk, but like not much beyond that. It seems like when they, well, like when they try new things, you can, you can tell, I think you can tell. It's very much like fronted by Rivers, like saying, "This is what we're gonna do." Sure, I That's fucking band, though. hate that song, Beverly Hills. Yeah, I hate that. Beverly Hills was very boring. It's and terrible. Like, I think it's, it's a one four five over and over song. and over. I have nothing against one four five over and over and over because yeah. uh, there's a lot of third eye blind songs that are like that, <laughs> and a lot of fucking punk songs that are like oh, that. Oh, most punk songs one right. four and then six five, but ooh one four six five. Yeah, getting fancy. Okay, so that's sixth, uh, minor sixth. But of course, not. yeah. Anyway, I'll know that. Um, but yeah, this is a fine song. It's fine. It doesn't do anything for me. So let's get to the end of the of the official tracks before yeah. we get into the other. Ooh, the bonus songs. Bonus. Bo -bo 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 bonus. I didn't listen to the bonus ones. I'm unprepared. Track ten is "Time Flies." Yes. I think it sounds like a Mexican song. I didn't think about that going. I feel like this sounds like the beginning of a techno song. With the guitar? Yeah, I feel like, and then there's drop and it's like. Oh, I get it. But just the guitar is like. I could easily see this being sampled by like some like DJ Tiesto. Yeah, to me, I don't know, the guitar is like, even though like the recording of them, they're like very treble heavy, so it sounds like a Mexican song, you know? I see it now. I did not think about that going into this. Like, okay, close your eyes. I want you to actually close your eyes right now, and I'm going to start the song over. Great. Imagine you're on... I hear it. Hold on. Imagine you're on like the six train, okay? Oof. And all of a sudden, you're at a stop, and the doors close, and all of a sudden you <laughs> And then hear, these guys walk in. Yes. Oh, I hate it already. I, I'm opening my eyes. I can't be there. I can't be in that place. It's just like one of those like like Mexican guitar groups comes yeah. on. And you know what? Like, more power to them. I just yeah. I get that they're just trying to make a buck. But I like, get it. It's fine. Good for them. Man, sometimes I got a headache. Ugh. Any other thoughts on this song? No, I just now I'm thinking about like Mexican bands that play on the <laughs> six train. And good for them. Like I would give them more dollars now. Because now I'll think of Weezer every time I see this happen. 
What do you think this is a, of this as a closing song for the record? Why? Yes. What do you think of it? I think it's very slow paced. Like the, I personally would have like gone something bigger to end, something to end with a big crescendo. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I'm gonna go back to the Blue album right now. Uh, Only in Dreams ends with, "Have you? Are you familiar with the song?" Of course. So like, it's a regular four-minute pop song, and then it ends with, I'm gonna call it like the first that I know of post-rock song of like four minute like that big build breakdown kind of thing and just like it feels like that to me uh, it's so perfect and like this starts in the lowest place it could possibly be and then it builds so this like it gets to the highest place goes down a little bit and like it just like builds a lot but at the same yeah it, it certainly does at the same time it's like the most raw building up of a song like the like you have four guys in a recording studio with your instruments like yeah this is this is like the most you can build up with it you know yeah, i think this personally i think is the most beautiful song ever interesting yeah i wonder what i would think the most beautiful song ever is my favorite song my favorite song ever is um stand by me the, the, okay. yeah yeah i like stand, that stand stand by me. I, I love that song. i think that's Dude, I think that's such a... It's my favorite song ever. Um, like, I would sing this to a girl. Did we get to what you've sung to women before? Uh, Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith, that's right. Uh, we there's a, a song called Between the Bars. Elliot Smith song? Yeah. Did you sing it, like, straight to her, like, while you guys were alone? Was it a karaoke? Was it at uh, an open mic? I feel embarrassed. You don't have to say who to whom it was. I've done this a few times, but... We'll sing that song to a girl. The last one, I'll, I don't, what, I have no shame. Whatever, I'll tell the story. The last girl, we, I, I liked her. I really legitimately liked her and it just didn't work out. But I remember like laying next to her and her playing it on her computer, me whispering all the lyrics in her ear. That's, okay. As it was happening. That's a beautiful thing to do. Like, yeah. And I'm sure every girl out there is like, just like got the chills from that like, yeah or at least you know a lot of girls because like that's a that's a really nice beautiful thing to do like like there's, there's there's something so intimate about being in bed with someone yeah and just like laying there like you don't have to fuck or like be doing anything like no. that but you're just like laying there and there's the the intimacy of whispering something in the someone's ear because to whisper you have to be in close proximity yeah like there's there's something special to that you know and to whisper this song, man, that's a that's a great thing. Yeah, it was a bummer that I did not work out. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not actually crying. <laughs> I know you're not actually crying, but you. It was a girl that you were into, and she kind of ended it. You don't have to give names. She didn't end it. I ended it because of something I couldn't something. deal with. That's fair. We have like, our we have our hangups. And yeah, things I was like just that. like, no, nah, I can't. I can't see past that moment. Mm. Oh, it was a thing. Okay. It was a it was a thing that happened. Right. And like this was few months ago and I still am like not like looking back and I was like oh no I did the right thing good yeah I did good. the right thing no regrets man I, I don't regret what I did uh what else like do you do you like perform music to women like I'm a lot is that a thing because you're like you're you you don't play often apparently but like I you don't. know how to play music I do I have a callus on my thumb today because I play very Paul McCartney style of like picking with my thumb uh -huh. and I'm like bad with picking with these two fingers but I like him trying to do it way with go eh, guitar picks okay um why I don't know I feel like it's the proper thing to do okay I'm an adult now let's get away from doing this 
Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, that's been my logic. I very skewed logic. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm bad at singing and playing at the same time, so it's either just like playing a track. It's hard to finger pick and do that at the same time. I can't even guitar, like using a guitar pick I can't do. Oh, really? Yeah. Unless I wrote the song. I've wrote like two songs that I could sing. I remember I used to, like I, I'd be embarrassed to just like, and I don't get embarrassed by a lot, but like even if I was just alone, like I, I would be embarrassed to bring out my acoustic guitar or a guitar, whatever, sure. or, or a keyboard and like sing a song to a girl if it was just her and I, you know? Okay. I don't know why, because if I'm on stage or in front of a crowd, I don't feel uncomfortable about doing that. There's something like, like I don't know, like... Like the intimacy. The intimacy of it is like kind of embarrassing. Like I feel, even on stage, like you're a performer. Yeah. I feel... Sometimes. Sometimes. The more people that are in the crowd, the less like weird I feel about it. I, don't I know agree what it is. on that. Uh, I could tell you from very personal experience, I do a lot of improv for anyone who does not know that. And the audience that are like three to like 10 people feel really uncomfortable. But is that because it's poorly attended and you think like, oh, you have all this other shit that's like, oh, what, what went wrong? Why are there only three or four people here? No, I don't ever think about like that because okay. I do the same thing for every single show. I like promote the same way, Facebook invites, uh, telling people word of mouth. And so like people are gonna come, people aren't going to come. But there's something different about an audience that is well attended. Um, it's more intimate without the without as big of an audience, absolutely. Yeah, there's something really uncomfortable about like a small audience. Uh, my improv group over the summer did a show which we did not expect to have in attendance, anyone in attendance, and there were 30 Austrian high school kids, and then like there was like 15 senior citizens unrelated to the German uh, Austrian high school kids. Oh, what and a weird crowd. What's the name of your improv group again? Kibbles and Bits. That's right. We do want sponsorship. Uh, so, but there was something really magnificent about that show. We, there's a stand up who went on before us, and he told a lot of very American jokes, like very Kennedy. Like there was a really good Kennedy joke, but like Austrian. There's kid. a good Kennedy joke? What year is this? Uh, I could tell the joke, like uh, paraphrase ahead, it, but it's, I think it's good. Uh, he's from New England, like I am, and he's like, I grew up in small town New England. There are two main streets, both that have stoplights. Both, uh, but they're both dead ends. One's RFK way, uh, one's JFK way, and one's RFK way. I fucked that joke up big time. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's a pretty good Kennedy joke. But, like it's fine. But the audience was like, what, what? Yeah. But so when we went on stage, we related with them, and we we're like, what do you guys like? They're like, Tupac and The Simpsons. So all these like yeah. very like popular American references. Yeah, and we're like, okay, we could do that. That's cool. This is like my favorite part of any song ever. And it's like so easy to play on guitar, so like nothing fantastic so musically. Play on everything, yeah. yeah. That's okay. It doesn't take away from it. No. This like gets me somewhere. And like I feel like when the uh, drums like do do like that feels like an orgasm almost. Like I know that's weird to say, but like that's how that feels to me. That's awesome. I feel like he's building to it, building to it, building to it, and then that is like the greatest moment of that. <laughs> I like it, man. Um, 
now this is him just laying in bed whispering in girls' ears. I think the other thing is like when you're on stage at like an open mic or something and you're like, even if you're just singing to one person, there's like a separation when you're on stage and as opposed to in the crowd, you know? Yeah. And like there's lights on you so you can't really see the crowd that well. Also, I used to write songs for girls, Ooh. but like... Like specific girls or like girls in general? Specific girls. Ooh. Girls in general too, but like yeah. I would write specific songs for girls and I would like present them to them. And then the, my, the last girlfriend I had... I like wrote her a song and it was like all very like inside references to like mm -hmm. to us, you know, and I like I put in like synth because she was like, oh, you know, she was like, I like synthy music, you know, like, like the cars or something like that. I guess kind of stuff like that. Yeah. And it probably wasn't up her alley, but like I played it for her and I was like, in the car. I was like, oh, by the way, I made this for you. And like she listened to it and it was almost just like she was just like. Oh great! Like oh, no. oh, this is she, great. You're better off without someone like. And that. then and then I and she like and I only I only like I think I only ever played it for once. She never asked for it. What you know, like a copy of it or anything someone like that. Someone wrote me a song. I would, I'd get married to that. And person. I was just like, and I was just like, okay. I was like, whoa, you know, like what is what is going on with this? Oh. And so I was just like, that's it. I'm done. I will yeah. never like write a song specifically for like a girl and like then play it for them. Cause it was just like, this is too, this was too like, um, it's like too cutting. It's to very something. vulnerable. Very like, Oh yeah, that's, I, cause I was just like, Oh, this is going to be great. Like shit. Cause I was just like, Oh, check out this song that I wrote. You know, I just fucking put it together. And I was like expecting to be like, Oh my God, you know, like, let's expectations, home. man. The worst thing we're already going home. We're already yeah. dating. Yeah. But it was just like, uh, it was just, Oh man, bad uh, news bears. While this was happening just now, I thought of what I think is the other, one of the other greatest songs ever. Yeah. And I think it's an epitaph song, uh, clavicle by Alkaline, Alkaline Trio. Trio. Oh, that is the most, um, uh, most beautiful song to sing to someone i think if the girl gets it because yeah. if like they're not like it's hip like to all that funny stuff yeah then they'd be like oh yeah but i think it's like if a girl like gets it it's both funny and beautiful it is so specifically intimate like yes it's it's gorgeous kissing the i want to wake up naked next to you kissing the curve of your clavicle oh, oh it's so that is on epitaph right uh, i don't know if that record got released on epitaph i should know but i'm sure it did alkaline was it is alkaline true yeah yeah well alkaline's on epitaph at some point so yeah and they have a sister label uh that of their own called uh, heart and skull records yeah. um Anyway, let's get, again, we're going to get back into the bonus tracks, the bonus tracks, but we're going to start off with a really fun song. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I probably did. I doubt it. Starts off with the piano, so you already don't like it. Uh, no, I like piano. I like, I like Yanni. <laughs> so this is on the UK and deluxe edition versions, and it's called... All my friends are insects. I did listen to this a long time okay. ago. It's not recent to me, brain. Me, brain. I have a friend and it's an He had to have wrote this for his daughter. He didn't write it. Oh. This is for Yo Gabba Gabba. Oh, okay. A show for kids. Yeah. And the dude from the Aquabats wrote this. Okay. Yeah. That so makes more this sense, a cover, right? Or this was written for Weezer. This was written for Weezer. Okay. By the dude from the Aquabats just to do on Yo Gabba Gabba. So I have a friend who I have friends who have kids and like they're really into Yo Gabba Gabba, which isn't even a thing anymore. I've seen Yo Gabba Gabba live, by the way. Ooh, how was that? It was fun. That sounds amazing. It's pretty good. It was like it was like at 3.30 in the afternoon, though. <laughs> That's 
kid stuff usually is that time. Yo Gabba Gabba has all of these bands that like I really like that are in like the like the punk and emo alternative scene. Like do stuff on there. Like huh. Jimmy World has a song that they did on there. Really? It's called um Oh my god. It's great though. It's one of my it's like a great song by them. Uh Taking Back Sunday does a song called All Our Friends Are Pets for oh, them. Like instead of earthworms, they're pets. All our friends are pets. It's all like kid songs, you know? Yeah. And like they're not written by them, but like they commit and they do like these fun videos for them. Huh. Like the the Jimmy World song is called Beautiful Day with My Best Friend, and the video for it is them playing guitar on these flying puppy dogs that are just like sitting. This sounds like the greatest thing I've never seen before. Dude, like I I I don't I don't like I'm not big into having kids, but if I ever yeah. do, like I like Yo Gabba Gabba has like the stamp of approval for me on it. Yeah, like, definitely. It's such a cool because fu- I like the Aquabats. Like Travis Barker used to play for the Aquabats. Yeah, right? I like Travis Barker. They're they're fucking cool, and they they're doing all this stuff, and so like Yo Gabba Gabba, super cool stuff, and so they I'm did that going for to them. Check it out for my own self tonight. Uh, it was written by Adam Adam Debert, who is formerly of the Aquabats. Nice. Uh, and then of course we get to the track we were talking about before. Oh yeah. I like Coldplay a lot. I'm a big Coldplay fan. Yeah. I, I like Coldplay. This, and I love this record. I thought this record was great. Yeah. Um, My high school girlfriend got me into Coldplay. Uh, they did this live at a, an iHeartRadio stripped show. Oh, cool. Yeah. His voice fits well with this. Yeah, it works really well. Oh. I feel like I... Generally, if I don't like a song and then I hear a cover by a band that I do like, I appreciate the original better. Me too. Me too. And I feel like this did that for me. Really? Yeah. I think this whole album by them is, is really great. Yeah. Um, let's listen to him do it a little bit. Yeah. They did a good job on it. Yeah, it's not the de- crazy departure, but this isn't something I normally perform. Yeah, it's not a departure at all. No. So now we have. It feels like a Christmas song a little bit, though, too. Because of the bells, I'll bet. Yeah, I think so. Now this is called I Want to Be Something. Mexican song. <laughs> and I think this is on his home tapes record. Okay, I like that, that album actually. I think you gotta be a real fan of theirs to like that record. It was fine. There were some songs I liked. There was a cover that I liked a lot. Do you remember which one? It was like the first song on the album, so if you like have the ability to look it up, then I could. It was on the first home album. makes me feel like I'm like 22 and like sitting in a garage or a basement with my best friend trying to write a song. The first track on Home Tapes is Ooh. It's only 47 seconds. But then after that, there's a cover called The World We Love So Much. That one. I love that song. I don't even know the original. I just love that song. I'm all alone here and I have to face my own. Yeah, this is a fun song. It's a fun B-side to add on as like a bonus yeah. track. Yeah. 
I can't imagine like general public would like it, but I yeah, like I would listen to this. Uh, and then we get to the last song of the bonus, at least the uh, the, the, the deluxe edition and then the UK bonus tracks. It is a song called Represent. Ooh. Do you know this song? I don't. I don't remember it. It sounds like a rap song. angry do you this is the theme an unofficial theme song for the united states men's national soccer team ah and the song is called represent i could see that he's a, could, he's a big soccer fan apparently yeah he is uh the pictures that i took of him at bonnaroo one year mm. he only wore a soccer jersey um and like to tie the two together like underappreciated types of like sure people like Absolutely. the american soccer team is a good soccer team not a great soccer team but a good soccer team that does not get credit for it yeah and weezer is a good band that does not get i will say a great band at times that does not get credit for it i think that's a good way to start rounding it out and then the other two tracks that are on the japanese version is the unspoken sam Ferrar remix and memories instrumental I don't have those, but I don't think we need to listen to a fucking remix and an instrumental. No. You guys get it. I feel like I'm surprised that the Japanese version does not have like a love song on there. Sorry. Like an extra Sorry. one? Yeah. Oh, I get it because he likes Japanese. He likes Japanese yeah. girls. That I was get it. I get it. Bad joke. It like wasn't that. a great joke. It was not my best. Wasn't my worst. Wasn't your worst. What? Not your best either. No. So uh, this debuted at number six on the Billboard 200. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. And it was their sixth top 10 album and their sixth top 10 album in a row. So that means all but their first always hit the top 10. Yeah. And their first one deserved to be number one. You think it deserved to be number one? Yeah. Of all time. No, not of all time. All time. That no. came out in 1994. Correct. What other records came out in 1994? In Utero? No, that was 93. 94 was Acoustic uh, Unplugged, Nirvana Unplugged. But beyond that, my brain does not know. I feel like Stone Temple Pilots, Rest in Peace, came out then too. Uh, Illmatic came out in 1994. The first full album I ever bought, Dookie, came out in 1994. That was Same Me too. Really? Words don't Same come Me too. Same Me too. Hey, Same Me. Uh, my mom took me to a pawn shop and I did not know what Dookie was. I was just like, this is a funny title and it's $2. There was a kid who was an asshole at my school, but he was wearing a Dookie shirt. And I was like, what is that? That was cool. And so I went to Coconuts and I got oh, Dookie. Oh, Coconuts, I remember that. Yeah, I got Dookie. Uh, and that was my first full album. My first piece of music ever was I bought the Always Be My Baby Mariah Carey single, cause single on, on cassette. Well, mine, my first, I did not buy. My grandmother bought for me was a Count Basie album. That's cool, man. That was fine. Yeah. yeah. But like, okay, dude, listen to these fucking records that came out in 94. I don't think this would be the number one record in 94. No, probably not. Illmatic by Nas. I like that album. Dookie by Green Day. Like the it. Downward Spiral by like Nine Inch Nails. MTV Unplugged, Nirvana. Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Nice. Definitely Maybe by Oasis. Oof. Ill Communication. Yep, BCs. 
Jar of Flies by Allison Chains. That's a fantastic record. Regulate G Funk Air by Warren G. Vitalogy came out that year. Who's Vitalogy? I'm not Pearl Jam. Ooh, the Pearl oh, Jams. I'm not a big Pearl Jam fan. I like but their I know first that's a big album record. beyond that. I don't love much. Dude, Two by Boys to Men came out that year, and that was a, that was a record with all of their big songs. I had Cooley High Harmony. That was one. That of was my their first. first one. Ready to Die by Notorious B.A.G. came Oof. out that year. This is a fucking That's huge a year for music. Year. Grace by Jeff Buckley came out this year. I don't uh, know. To Cal was. by uh, Method, Method Man. Man. Yeah. Jeez Louise with cheese. It's a good year. I was this only was a nine. Good fucking year, man. I did not appreciate it back then. I was a shitty nine-year-old. Fox Hall and I, Marcy came out. Smash by Offspring, an album that we'll Oof. be covering uh, on, on this very podcast. I like, Offspring was the first album. Crazy Sexy Cool by TLC came Ooh. out this year. I uh, first illegally downloaded Offspring's Pretty Fly for a White Guy. That was the first thing I ever downloaded. What a fucking, what a good what year. A year. I had the Waterfall single on cassette tape. So with all those records you heard, would you still put this at your own personal number one for 1994? Huh. Reezer's Blue album came out this year, yeah. Maybe. I liked Illmatic a lot back then. Um, not back then, but like yeah, good record. high school I discovered it. Um, which was like oh one. Mm-hmm. No, my I was a freshman in ninety nine. Oof. Um, what year were you born? Eighty five. Me too. Cool. When's your birthday? I don't want to say on the year. I'm May. December. Oh, okay. So Real May December romance. Yeah. yeah. My high school girlfriend was exactly six months apart, so my birthday was her on birthday. <laughs> That's creepy, right? <laughs> I guess it made sense at the time because remember like Pepsi was the uncola or Sprite's the uncola. Maybe that's why she said that. What a cool, what a cool thing. She liked it. Um, so this record Hurley was received generally favorable getting back to 2010. It got good reviews. All music gave it 3.5 out of five. All press four out of five. Consequences sound 3.5 out of five. Entertainment eight minus New York times gave it a favorable review. Enemy eight out of 10. Uh, Rolling stone three out of five and spin gave it seven out of 10. Uh, and I think it was just because like people really seem to dislike Ratitude so much, probably, and that this was like a nice change for that. It, yeah, like it felt like they were going back to like their roots, as I've said, as <laughs> everyone says all the time. Call back, but their only album on Epitaph after this, they went to someone else. I forget who, but Doesn't you know matter. what, dude. I, I totally glazed by this record, and one of the points of this of the whole points of this podcast is I want to rediscover music and discover music, and this is a record that I did not give it due time to, and now that I did, I'm so fucking happy I did. Yeah. This is this is a solid record, man. It's I will go record. back and listen to some of this. I will especially go back and listen to that goddamn train wreck song over and over. I won't put much of this on like playlists now, but mm. like some of it would like hang around. Yeah, I dig it, man. Do you, so. Let me let me tell you this. Let me ask you this. After listening to this record again, you actually told me before the podcast. Yeah. Uh, from listening to it now, uh, six years later after it came out, or maybe five years, yeah. um, if you want to get specific, what are your thoughts now as opposed to before? I like. I don't know. I I liked it a lot better when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still like it, not like I do did five years ago. But there's something like. Some of it holds up. Some of it I like better. Some of it I don't like as much. I feel like it's like also I've grown up as a person since then. Sure. So I was 25 when this came out. I'm 30 years old now. And I'm just like, I'm a different person now than mm-hmm. I was then. So I feel like that all like plays a big part into like what this is and what this feels like to me. And uh, like I like feel like I relate more to him now than I did as a 25 year old. Does that make sense? 
like 30 year old me gets gets him now or gets him then uh, now better okay because i feel like he was probably like closer to 30 when he put this record out sure yeah i guess that makes sense i don't know i just feel like it's an adult trying to like do like do something new like do something different and also like rebound from attitude because like to go back to the tweet he does care about what people think about him oh he certainly does yeah yeah absolutely and i could empathize because i give a shit about what people think about me hmm like to like on a very small level if like no one likes a facebook joke that i put out i'll delete it because i like get wounded if i like leave it up for an hour and it gets like three likes (laughs) i know a lot of comedians do that uh i don't know i don't i I don't know i'm a real big like I don't give a shit what other people say. Oh, I give too much of a shit. But like, I also don't have a big following or anything and I don't go for it. But like I put more, I put a lot of jokes out on Twitter or on, and they go to Facebook and I get likes here and there from them. And like, so long as like some people whose like opinion I respect, like, like it and they'll get it. I'm like, all right, good. That was fun. Yeah. I have like on Twitter, it's weird. I have these core group of like 10 people who like everything I post. Mm. But if I don't get more than that, I get really bummed out. So, (laughs) I, I don't know how to change it. I know that's not the right thing to do, but like, it's not great. It's not good. That's okay. It's not good. What do you want to plug? What's your Twitter? Uh, Where can people find these R O N N Y P A S C A L E. So that's my name, Ronnie Pascal. Pascal with an E. With an E. And then Facebook, sign me. Yeah. Not sign me. You could find me. Do you want people to find you on Facebook? Do you accept people's friends, like well, friend requests who you don't know? No, I don't. That What I just plugged is I created a fan page. Oh, that's page. right. You do have a fan page. That's I, why I was able to tag you on I made stuff, a fan yeah. page recently so that weirdos can find me on Facebook now. What shows are you doing now that you want people to check uh, out? I have a monthly show at the People's Improv Theater called The Really, Really Cheap Date Show. It's, oh, I'm drawing a blank. It's either the third or fourth, but it's a Saturday at 10:30. Who cares when it is? What, what what's going on with it's it? It's every yeah. It's once a month on Saturday at 10:30. Uh, it's a variety show with my improv group headlining. Sure. Uh, and there's magicians and burlesque dancers and it's anything that's not traditional comedy, right? As in like stand up or improv, and then us doing improv at the end. Why is it called a really really cheap date show? It's a really good marketing strategy. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, How much is it? Five bucks. It's only Pretty cheap. five dollars, dudes. So you could... On a, and dudettes. Dudettes. Well, dudes, like, bring in dates. But dudettes bring dates? Dudettes bring dates, too. Sorry. I apologize. Yeah, so five bucks, ten bucks, you get a date in there. Five. This should be your tagline. Five bucks gets you in so you can get it in. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We don't have a tagline. That might be it. Hey. If you want to take it, we have a logo being drawn for us right now. So wait on that. That's going to be fun. Anything else people should check out? Uh, Do you have stuff on YouTube? No. I have Twitter. I have Facebook. Um, That's about it. That's about it? Yeah. You're a cool guy. I have Instagram. I have Tinder. You can find me on Tinder. Hey, fine. That was the first, that's the first Tinder promotion someone's ever done. Please find find Ronnie Pascal on Tinder and swipe I, right. right. Correct. Swipe I'm right. I'm okay. Cupid also. Hey, find My Ronnie username Pascal. is what seriously? <laughs> what seriously? Go find him on, on uh, okay Cupid and uh, get it in with the get it in man himself. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. This it was, was so much fun. This was, I hope you had a good time with this. I had a great time, especially with this Scottish barley. This Scottish barley. Yeah. We were drinking some Brooklady, Scottish whiskey, uh, single malt whiskey. Sponsors needed. Sponsors needed. Absolutely. Um, 
We'll have you back on. We'll Thank do another you. record. Maybe I'll call in trio. Oh, yeah. Guys, uh, still don't have a finishing line for this. I used, to, I, used to, I used to say, go fuck yourself, but then I was like, that's, or that's like... I just got to the finish line. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. <laughs> um, it's a good one. Guys, uh, don't be an asshole. Enjoy things and know that bands are going to do new stuff. And know that, hey, this is what you have of them to enjoy. So fucking try and find a way to like it. Try and find a way to like everything else because otherwise you're going to be miserable. Don't stick to the Blue Album. Yeah. But still go listen. If you want to listen to Blue Album, go listen to Blue Album. But there's other things out there. There's also other things out there. All right, guys. Take care of each other and yourselves. Whatever Jerry Springer said. Yeah. And I'll see you later. Thanks. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch, Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!